There is still a good chance that head coach Jim Harbaugh sticks with Michigan after the 2023 season, but if he does make the jump, the only team I could see him leaving the college ranks for is the Chargers. You are locked on Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. And we've been covering the Chargers together now for eight seasons, but this is our sixth year as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Thank you guys, as always, for making us your first listen today. And to make sure you never miss the show, go subscribe or follow for free on the Locked On Chargers YouTube channel and listen wherever you get your podcast from. David, what do we got today? Well, we know the Chargers are interested in Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh, but are they still going to be interested after they know how much money it's going to take to actually bring him into the building? And after what the Baltimore Ravens did to the 49ers, it is unbelievable what they did. You have to look at that defense, look at the man running that defense, Mike McDonald, and I think you got to entertain the ability or the option to get him in the building with a head coaching interview. Yeah, could the Chargers do that and go with another kind of inexperienced defensive coordinator who has more experience than Staley, right, but doesn't have the head coaching experience? And also, Brandon Staley himself in the downfall there. We're going to get into Chris Rim's article about how that locker room got fractured and how fractured it was. But today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKDOWNNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. David, it's buy or sell today with the biggest Chargers overreactions and storylines. And there's been every few days a new report coming out about Jim Harbaugh. And I'm not naive to the fact that he could easily go back to Michigan. But the buy or sell today is this. If Jim Harbaugh takes an NFL job, it will be with the Chargers. Yeah, I think it just makes a little bit too much sense for it to be the Chargers, so I am buying it. And the number one reason, of course, is Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert, the superstar quarterback, you got under contract for the next five seasons. Nobody else can offer that, right? There's no other team, no other opening that's going to be able to offer a quarterback as good as Justin Herbert period point blank yeah. and not only that but the chargers are going to have a high draft pick right now they have the sixth overall draft pick in the 2024 draft and that's a high draft pick in every single round of the draft so a lot of ammo to be able to try to build this roster the way that you want to and also jim harbaugh has a relationship with the chargers organization he's been in the building a lot so this is just something that just makes way too much sense. A lot of things aligning for the Chargers and Jim Harbaugh if that decision is made. Well, the thing is, is he's 60, right? Which isn't old for NFL you know, terms. But like, if not now, then when? Right? right. And the other thing is, is if not now, what is the better situation that's going to come up that's going to be better than what the Chargers are presenting to you? I think a big part of this is I do think that the salary cap, you know, ramifications and limitations in 2024 is a little bit overblown because me and you have done the show. We told you that these are the few cuts you need to make and you're right back under, right? So, right. like, yes, a couple of bloated contracts will be gone. Yes, there are going to be some things you're going to have to work with. But the other thing is, in 2025, you're looking at pretty much a blank slate, right. right? So I think that there's a lot of things overblown in that sense. But I do think if you look at the Raiders, right, the Panthers, the Bears, even with the Bears potentially having the number one overall pick and likely having it, None of that is better than having Justin Herbert plus a top five, top six pick, right? A chance to do that. So, like, 
that is, I think, you know, and you also have Mike Greenberg. We've talked to you about it before. Mike Greenberg randomly saying that he ran into Jim Harbaugh at a funeral and he was just, you know, talking about the NFL and he just starts gushing about Justin Herbert and how he thinks he's the best young quarterback in the NFL. So, like, I don't necessarily think it's going to happen, but I think with the sanctions he's facing from the NCAA, even going into next year after his six games of suspension this year, he's going into with a level one violation, which sounds scary. Yeah. There have been reports about how much he's kind of over having to kind of walk that tightrope in the NCAA record and the NCAA level. Another thing is just ego-wise, he feels like a guy that wants to get it done at the NFL level because that is the grand prize, and all of these oh, yeah. guys want that at the end of the day. But I think the biggest thing is the financials, and we're finally kind of hearing what Jim Harbaugh is expecting from Michigan. Yeah, according to Tony Pauline from Sportskeeda, you know, he, he said that you know the w- Michigan Wolverines are expected to pay him around $15 million per season and of course we all heard you know John Spanos the president of football operations talking about how there's no limit to the amount of money that he would spend to be able to get the right head coach and it's and according to you know his report people close to Harbaugh tell me that the statement by Spanos is legitimate and they believe the franchise would be willing to meet those salary demands so that is very very interesting because you know, it's one thing for John Spanos to say that there is no limit. It's another thing for him to actually sign the check and be able to cut it and hand it out to Jim Harbaugh. That's the other question entirely. But everything seems to be lining up. So if that opportunity does present itself, maybe the Chargers should definitely pull the trigger. And it feels like he's been waiting for the right opportunity, right? Interviews with the Broncos for the head coaching position last year, interviews with the Vikings a couple of years ago. And it feels like Michigan doesn't want him to do it specifically this year, right? Ian Rappaport reported that it was a 10-year, $125 million deal that Michigan offered him, right? That's $12.5 million per season. The thought process is it would take 15 or more to get him to go to the NFL level. So that's probably where the starting point is at. And the other thing about it is, is – it feels like Michigan doesn't want him specifically getting with Justin Herbert. Like he knows they, it seems like they know that these opportunities don't come around very often. Like you think about, you know, Matt before getting, yeah, Aaron but they're Rogers, not dumb. you know, yeah. before his MVP seasons, but these opportunities don't come around a lot. Would the charge be willing to pay that? I mean, they said they would, we'll see if they do it, but I mean, supposedly this next guy is going to be asking for about the same. And that is Ben Johnson. Who's polarizing because he has no head coaching experience. I understand why people are hesitant around him. But David, the buyer show is this. Ben Johnson would be a good option for head coach, even without the head coaching experience. Yeah, I'm going to buy it. I mean, I think you, you look at, you know, Justin Herbert and the turnover that he's had at the offensive coordinator position dating back to his college years. It's just been a lot of inconsistency in that. So getting a head coach that is also, you know, the offensive you know play caller. Is a guy that you know is going to be able to to grow with Justin Herbert and is going to be able to be there with him. You and he's been worry. really good, right? Yeah, like and he's been extremely thing. good. Yeah, you look at it, scored thirty plus points nine times this season, fifth in points per game, third in yards per game, third in touchdowns per game, fifth in yards per rush, third in yards per game, and Very fifth well in balanced. passing yards yeah. per game. So extremely well balanced. Doesn't matter if they want to throw the ball or run the ball; they're doing it at a very high level. Yeah, and I mean, I think, you know, the inexperience definitely shows. He is one of the next, you know, wonder king guys. I mean, I'd like sure. I said before, don't let Mike McCoy 
scare you away from someone like Ben Johnson because not only do they have as many 30-point games as you said, right, but they've only had two games this year where they scored less than 20 points. Love so that. You have the peaks without as many of the valleys, and in 2022, they were pretty much just as good offensively with Jared Goff, right? He's doing yeah. this with Jared Goff, but he is one of those guys that, I mean, I think the understated part of it is he's actually been calling plays for about two and a half seasons because the Lions started 2021. 0-8 with their offensive coordinator being none other than Anthony Lynn, who got demoted after the 0-8 start. Ben Johnson ends up coming in. Their offense looked a lot better. But I also think the big thing here is, like, I think people overvalue the talent, especially at the skill position, right, the skill positions that the Lions have. Because <laughs> if I asked you right now who the Lions' number two wide receiver is, you probably wouldn't be able to tell me, right? Like, if you ask me the number three, was you, like, unless you play fantasy, I mean, even then, these are not really fantasy relevant people, right? It's it's Josh Reynolds, right? It's Khalif Raymond. Like, these aren't names that scare anybody, Who? but right? he's maximizing it. They do have yeah. a really, really good offensive line, and I think you'd hope that he could come and, you know, see how important that is and want to get the Chargers to right. that spot, Re rebuild right? Rebuild that, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, he, you know, he's been a tight ends coach. He's been a wide receivers coach. He's been a quarterback coach. He used to work with the Dolphins, has 11 seasons of NFL experience, right? So he has experience at the NFL level yeah. for over a decade. So, like, it is tough, but I think this was another thing that kind of sold me a little bit, too, from Bengals head coach Zach Taylor, who said, I've always tried to find a place for him on my staff, whether it's offense, defense, special teams. It doesn't matter. He's one of those guys you want on your staff because he's brilliant. That is just what this guy brings to the table. He's a hot commodity for sure. He's denied that it's going to cost $15 million per season to get him because that's what Justina Anderson reported, and she's doubled down on it. So I don't know what the price is going to be on it, but this guy you should absolutely be interested in. Get, having a chance to pair, you know, give Herbert, you know, the Mike McDaniel to your Tua, the, yeah. the Shanahan to your Purdy, right? Find absolutely. someone that he can grow with. Find someone that can finally feel like you're unleashing him and you're pretty much linking him together for at least three seasons, which Justin Herbert has never had at the collegiate or the professional level. But there's another name that's been floating around, and that is Mike McDonald's, the Ravens defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald's. Mike McDonald, who was the Hamburglar against the 49ers over the weekend, and he absolutely stole Brock Purdy's lunch money. So we're going to talk about him as a candidate if we're going to see the breakout game from Quentin Johnson and if we're going to see Joey Bosa or Keenan Allen at all coming up right after this. First, though, I need to tell you guys about something that's awesome and something that everyone uses. Everyone goes out to events, especially after I was, you know, cooped up for so long, the 2020s, early 2020s. I've been going and doing stuff like crazy, and I love game time because game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. And it shouldn't be stressful. And the thing about game time that's really nice is the game time guarantee, which means you'll always get the best price. If you find the tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. The other thing I love about game time is you always get to see the exact view from your seats. Like I've gotten field level seats before and don't realize that, you know, Donald Parham's six foot eight, right? You don't always get the best views from those seats. With game time, you already know what that view is going to be. There's no stone pillar in front of you, right? And you're getting the best price. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use the code Lockdown NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Again, create an account, redeem the code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-F-L for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. David, let's continue this buy or sell here with 
a lot of really good ones. A lot of, you know, big time kind of buyer sellers and storylines with this team right now. But we had to get into that Brandon Staley stuff because we didn't get to last week. So we're going to get into that. But I want to start with another head coaching candidate because the Chargers have to get this head coaching hire right. And one of the guys that's recently kind of put himself on the radar because of how impressive he's been is Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator. So the of the Ravens. But the buyer sell is this. Mike McDonald showed that his hat should be in the ring for the Chargers 2024 head coaching job. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to buy it. I mean, and, and the reason why I have to buy it is you look at these numbers uh, across the board for the Ravens defense, and it is truly spectacular. Yeah, I mean, they dominant. are unbelievably dominant. And I think the whole vision, obviously, with bringing Brandon Staley into the building was let's get Justin Herbert a dominant defense and let's not make him do everything. And so you look at these numbers from Mike McDonald, number one in points per game allowed, number six in yards per game allowed, number two in opponent yards per play, number one in opponent takeover margin, number one in takeaways, number one in sacks with 54. So no matter what number you look at across the board, they are stopping the run. They are stopping the pass. They are taking the football away. They are making life a living hell for opposing offenses every single week. Oh, and by the way, they just single-handedly took the MVP award from Brock Purdy this past weekend. Yeah, and maybe put it in their own quarterback's hand, right? Yeah. It could be. But yeah, four interceptions off Brock Purdy, five interceptions overall. That's how you want to kind of judge some of these people, right? Like, I mean, if you want to look at it, I'm Ben Johnson's Lions put up six points against this Ravens team this year in 2023, right? So I think the biggest thing is the lack of experience. He does have nine right. years of NFL experience. He had a few years with Georgia, who's obviously one of the gold standards of college football. And the Ravens, he's been around for a long time, right? I mean, all of his NFL experiences come with the Ravens. So I think when you see that and you see him going and making his way up a very, very good franchise, that tells you a lot. And he also spent time with Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, right? He left for a year, went and became the defensive coordinator at Michigan. They went 12-2. and two. Their defense was awesome, one of the best in the country. Then he came back in 2022, or that was 2021. He came back in 2022 to the Ravens, and he's been their defensive coordinator ever since. And we got to saw firsthand how good that was, right? So yeah. I buy the fact that they should give him the interview. I would sell him right now as the Chargers' next head coach just because yeah. like, I just don't know. Like, I'm leaning offense and, and Jim Harbaugh. Like, that's where I'm going to go right away. If you're going <laughs> yeah. defensive-minded, then you start bringing the Belichicks and the right. Dan Quinns into the conversation, and we can talk about that, right? But I want to get into this next buy or sell here, Dave, because one guy we didn't really talk about in the recap show yesterday of the Bills game was Quentin Johnson because we didn't see the big game from Quentin Johnson. And as the season keeps going, David, now we've gotten to the point where there's two games left. So the buy or sell is this. We are not going to see the breakout game for Quentin Johnson. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, this is one I want to sell, but but I have to buy. And it's just based off of what we've seen. I mean, 33 receptions, 385 yards, two touchdowns. Only three games this season with over 50 yards receiving for Quentin Johnson. And even more recently, even without Keenan Allen the last few games yep. and being more featured in the game plan, he's yet to make any impact with those increased targets and those increased touches. It's been the same old song and dance, unfortunately, for Quentin. It's, you know, dropping the football in the big moments. And, you know, you, you, you take those games that, you know, could look phenomenal and you look in and then they end up looking pedestrian. And so unfortunately for Q, I don't know if there's going to be that breakout game. I'm going to say we're not going to see it. I think we've seen what we're going to see out of Quentin Johnston for the 2023 season. 
Yeah, I think the time is running out for him to make a lasting impression, right? The time is running out for him to do something that makes us going to feel like, hey, Justin Herbert shouldn't take an offensive weapon next year. They shouldn't be, right. you know, focusing on that. Like, I think his best chance was with Justin Herbert. But to go to your point, I mean, the two games without Keenan Allen, without Mike Williams, right? He's had four catches in those two games for 49 yards and a touchdown, right? Like, he has more opportunities than we thought he would this season because yeah, Mike Williams has been more. gone for most of the season, because he's had to have the last couple of games without Keenan Allen, and you had Joshua Palmer hitting injured reserve, right? Like, he got the opportunities. We never saw it. Like, he has one game, David, that's over 52 yards this season. Right. It was against the Broncos, and he had 91 yards. But, like, the crazy thing is, is the 57-yard catch that he made in that game is more than he had in any other single game this season, which is yeah, nuts, right? That so one like, catch. That yeah. one catch is, you know, that one catch would have been, you know, more than he's had receiving yards in any other single game. Like, that's crazy to me. But we always bring up Mike Williams, right? Mike Williams yeah. had a much worse rookie season than even Quentin Johnson's having this season. Much he worse. turned out to be a player that got a second contract and a really big-time player for the Chargers. What happened with Quentin Johnson? I don't think we're going to see it this season. But I have a couple more quick buyer sales I want to get in here to get in here to David, especially the ones you brought up to me, which is Keenan Allen and Joey Bosa, right? Both guys battling back. Joey Bosa activated window for him to return. Keenan Allen has missed the last two games with a heel injury. So the buyer sell is this. Keenan Allen and Joey Bosa will play again this season. Or I guess I should say Keenan Allen and Joey Bosa will not play again this season. Is there a chance we don't see either of those guys? Yeah, I do think that there's definitely a chance just, you know, given the reality of the situation, but I'm going to sell it. And the reason why I'm going to sell it is because they opened up the practice window for Joey Bosa. I mean, if they really had every intention of shutting him down for the season, then they why activate the window? Just leave him on sure. IR and, and let him finish out the year without putting him back out there. But tell that to Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it right? could just be to see him practicing, right? And, and get him sort of rehabbed on the field because sure. it, and, it, the and, worst that happens is he has to go back on IR basically yeah, for the rest of right. the season. Right. And Giff Smith basically said, I think that's his mindset. The body will tell him as we move forward as far as with you know joey bosa so well we we'll know see on his that. relationship with Giff smith right he yeah and very smith close have a very very strong relationship which makes me think he would try to get back for his guy Giff smith because i don't I agree know if they're gonna that. have a chance to play together whether it's Giff smith going or joey bosa going both things are on the table the other thing is keenan allen's records right he's chasing yeah. antonio gates he he's is putting together one of his best seasons ever he has a chance to get the most receptions he already set that right but to extend yeah. his lead as the most receptions in a single season in chargers history the most receiving yards he's ever had in a season and to inch closer to the GOAT Antonio Gates and some of those franchise records. So he has reasons to get back. Definitely. And Chris Bram, I think, in one of the latest articles said that he wanted to get back for this next game. We'll see. That has been reported that he wants to get back out there. He has a heel issue that cost a little heel in multiple games and other guys as well. So I think they both want to come back. I think I'm going to buy. I'm, I'm going to sell that we're not going to see him. I do think we see one of those guys back on the field this season at least. Let's get to this last one here. David, we did this a couple of weeks ago, and I want to see if your answer changed. I think you said they would win a game the last time I asked you if Easton Stick would win a game and a buy or sell a couple yeah. of weeks ago. Yeah, I did. And they almost messed around and did it. And I think it looks different <laughs> now for the last two games of the season. And so the buy or sell is this. This Chargers team will win one of their final two games. Yeah, I mean, I, I, before I saw the Giff Smith-led Chargers and that kind of motivated You would have said no for sure, yeah. I would have absolutely said no. But they almost beat a much, much better Buffalo Bills team, like a team that had a lot to play for, that 
had a ton of offense. That was actually power. hot. Had been playing. That was a hot team. Yeah. yeah, they had they had played some really really good football leading into that one, and the Chargers were a couple of minutes away from winning that football game, like legitimately. And yep. and so yeah, I I think there is a real possibility. I I still don't think I'm going to say no. Yeah, I'm going to say no. It? Yeah, I'm going to sell it. I'm going to sell it. I'm going to say that they're not going to get the win, but. I would not be surprised if they mess around and do it because they, I mean, we saw a lot of creativity and we saw some, some quality football. They, they obviously care. Like they want to win. They're fighting for it. As we They're talked about yesterday, they, sure. they showed the fight, but the thing is that makes it tough is like, is the worst Patrick Mahomes led chiefs team we've seen in the Patrick Mahomes era. And you're going up against a Broncos team that after getting really high has skidded the last couple of games since they beat the chargers. Right. And yeah. just lost to the Patriots last week. So and like, are pretty much eliminated from the playoffs, pretty yeah. much eliminated, but also lost to the Patriots last week, which not even this bad chargers team could do. I mean, they won six zero. It wasn't anything to be proud of, but like, right. I mean, the Patriots are not good, obviously. So yeah, I mean like they have two somehow winnable games with Easton stick. Like they, I mean, I think they opened up on FanDuel as five and a half point underdogs against the Broncos. So it's not likely in Denver. That's what right. makes me feel better about their chances to uh, lose. Yeah. Could they mess <laughs> things up and, and hurt their draft position? Right? Like, I mean that they could, they really yeah. could. I'm going to sell the fact that they get a win though. And maybe that's yeah. my wishful thinking like it was last time. And I <laughs> hope they would go on four down the stretch, but we have more to get into because we have to talk about the downfall of Brandon Staley and after a really, really good report of just how fractured that locker room got towards the end, we're coming up right after this. First, though, I do need to tell you guys about Prize Picks, which is daily fantasy made easy. With Prize Picks, all you have to do is pick two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. The more entries you hit on, the more you win. And if you hit on six of them on the same entry, you can win up to 25 times your money. And they also have the Demons and Goblins promotions going on right now, where if you get your cards right, right, and you go on a lot of those demon goblin bets you could win up to a hundred times your money right now on prize picks and they also have other great promotions going on like taco tuesday which is my favorite where you can get a select player projection up to 25 percent better and get even more value with your selections so make sure you guys check out prize picks because unlike other ones where it's your team versus another team you're drafting a team with prize picks it's you versus the projections and you get to pick out all the best matchups so go to pricepicks.com slash lockdown nfl and use the code lockdown nfl for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars that's pricepicks.com slash lockdown nfl promo code lockdown nfl for that deposit match up to one hundred dollars prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy David, we wanted to get into this because we didn't get to talk to it last week and uh, talk about it last week. And it is Brandon Staley in the downfall of him, according to Chris Rim. I mean, we heard a lot when Brandon Staley got fired, right? But we didn't get a lot of specifics about what was going on, because I think for the most part, we thought the locker room had still mostly kept it together. It was a team that was playing really hard for the most part. Yeah. And then it all just got thrown in your face in prime time on Thursday night football, where it went from, okay, we well, still has locker room to, oh, he obviously doesn't have the locker <laughs> Big room. Time. And Chris Rim really detailed that nicely in an ESPN article that I want to get into. But I do need to tell you guys first that Locked On has something very cool going on because they have launched the first ever national 24-7 sports streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus the national shows covering every league. So go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. So, David, there's a lot to get into in this article. Chris Rim did a great job covering this team for ESPN. I think he's done a good job, and we hopefully are going to have him on to talk about this specific story. Oh, yeah. 
But David, it seems to me like the downfall of Brandon Staley, according to this ESPN story, really started with that loss to the Jaguars. The 27-0 game that he defended so adamantly against it, not hanging over this team. It does feel like that's where it started. It definitely is, and I and I think it starts with the messaging that the players heard in the locker room after that game and how that did not resonate with the players. According to Chris Rim in his article, he said, you know, Brandon Staley said games like this happen in the NFL. The message annoyed some players, especially those who had played on other teams and experienced postseason success. To some, it felt like Staley was shifting ownership of the collapse off of the squad and himself yeah. as a regular occurrence team sources said so basically he was just saying oh it wasn't my fault it was all your fault it was all the players fault and that was a message that was not received well by the players at all it just seems like Brandon Staley was not taking any accountability for that loss whatsoever yeah and I think the other maybe even more damning part of it is what happened with him and linebackers coach Michael Wilhoy on the sideline this was the quote Staley could be heard screaming at linebackers coach Michael Wilhoy Staley believed Wilhoy's group had made an error on the big Jacksonville play Will Hoyt countered with Staley had made a dumbass play call and that the linebackers had done their job correctly. So, of course, Michael Will Hoyt ended up getting fired after that game. So that makes a lot of sense there. But it does seem like that's the snowball. That's where the snowball yeah. started and started going downhill. And to me, though, it's kind of the same thing where we always said he said all the right things. He did a lot of the right things. But the used car salesman charm wears off when you're not winning, right? Oh, yeah. People stop Quickly. being able to buy in. And the coaches are firing back at Brandon Staley for the game plans he always promised us were good enough to win. His own coaches were telling you that it wasn't, right? And I think that that loss was really compounded. I think if they would have gotten off to a hot start this season, maybe they could have overcome some of that. Yeah. But they didn't. And I think no. that those late losses early in the season really compounded and added to that snowball that turned into an avalanche that fractured this locker room. So we have to talk about birthday gate, right? Yeah. What everyone's talking about, Brandon Staley not telling people happy birthdays. So basically what Chris Rim is saying here is that there were Staley guys, and that was rubbing a lot of players the wrong way. And you could tell the glowing way he talked about certain players who his guys were, right? And all the guys he had played with before the Sebastian Joseph days, the Quill Max, guys like that. And what happened was is if he celebrated your birthday, I don't think it was really about the birthdays, right? Because this is what they said. Staley said happy birthday to offensive guard Zion Johnson in front of the team. Multiple players mentioned that was also rookie linebacker Dan Henley's birthday, to which Staley replied, and Dayon too in a dismissive way. So I don't think it's about the birthdays. I think the birthdays just cemented how the coach thought of them and how coach would play his favorites like Kenneth Murray while Dayon Henley can't snap the field. And I mean, these are things that we talked about before. Like we had a feeling that it seemed like Brandon Staley had guys that he liked, that he kind of put up sure. on a pedestal, that he kind of put on the field way more than they ever earned to be on the field. Yeah. Hello, Kenneth Murray. Uh, I mean, yeah. last year, he did not deserve to be on the football field. I mean, like he was not playing the linebacker position very well at all. And this kind of like solidifies it. And also when they were talking about how it's like a fraternity, he said guys didn't feel included. He didn't make it feel like a team. One team source said of Staley, he kind of made it feel like a fraternity house. Certain guys are in the frat and certain guys aren't. And yeah. that's not how you want any football team to operate. You don't want to have clicks and all of that. You want to have one cohesive unit. You want guys that get along with each other, that are there, that are fighting for each other. It's like more of a family atmosphere. That is not what it was like. And it was clear that Brandon Stilley had his guys, had his favorites, and kind of alienated some other players. And that did not sit well with the group. 
And the relationships and all those things are all good until you're only having it with certain players, right? Hey, when you're a, you know, an outside linebackers coach, you can get away with that because you have good yeah. relationships probably with all of those guys, right? Of when course. you're a defensive coordinator, all of that side of the football. But right. from what you're hearing from Chris Rim is that it was very segregated between the offense and the defense. They didn't feel like a team. They felt like two very separate units, and Staley had a lot of his favorites on the defensive side of things. And it felt like that was something where this team really kind of fractured the locker room over. And I think yeah. it's little things like that that just cemented, oh, okay, he really doesn't like me. Or, okay, this is why I'm not playing. Not because I'm not good enough, because right. I'm not his guy. I'm not in yeah. the fraternity. I'm not in the cool kids group, right? That's yeah. what it seems like. And it felt like, you know, you need all these guys to buy in, especially in Brandon Staley's defense. Like, if you don't yeah. have 11 guys fully bought in, it's never going to work. And I think we've seen that, right? Oh, and yeah. I think you saw that they didn't have that buy-in defensively. And even with Brandon Staley got to go get all of his guys, all of the guys who played for him before, it still didn't work. They went and signed the free agent he wanted that could do all the right things in his, his defense. Still didn't work, right? Nope. And I think that the thing is, is like Brandon Staley had a good message. He came in with his family. He said all the right things. But when you lose, the charm wears off, right? You, Quickly. You, like the shine isn't there anymore, and you just look like a snake oil salesman. And one yep. of the biggest quotes from this is, sometimes Staley was just too damn smart for his own good. Like yeah. I think he had the vision there. He just could never deliver it. That's exactly right. I mean, it's just one of those things where you, know, you can draw plays on the chalkboard. You can draw up any kind of defense to combat any type of offense on the chalkboard. But when it happened to be in practice, it didn't actually work out. And so in the game, especially in the games. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm saying. You know, it, you know, you just never got the desired results. And when you have a defensive head coach that had a bottom five defense and you didn't win a lot of football games, those messages started to fall on deaf ears more and more and more until it came to a head and exploded by him basically regurgitating the same message in that loss to the Raiders that yeah. they had with the loss to the Jack Jacksonville Jaguars That's in the playoffs. Point. And that was the definite straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. And I mean, there's people saying, Hey, you know, people weren't laughing the same way at the Staley jokes anymore. Like, Hey, he keeps having these embarrassing performances, and just basically chalking up to, Oh, Hey, this happens. Not, Hey, this happened because we're not good enough, right? Like, and I think the thing is, is just like there is some good. Like Quentin Johnston outlined, you know, how he helped him and nurtured him in his first season. Obviously, like there were times that him going to bat, I think, was definitely the right thing to do. Yeah. But when you're not doing it from everyone, it's going to create a divide. And I think at the yeah. end of the day, you're fired because your team wasn't good enough. You didn't get the results that you wanted. Your defense was never good consistently throughout those three years. But how much of that was because this fractured, you know, culture that you put in this locker room right because you came in to stop the charging you couldn't do it and then all those good things those good plans those good words that you were so good at acing every press conference started falling on deaf ears and that was the beginning of the end for brandon steely and exactly what they have to avoid this next time around because they have to get it right for justin herbert and if they have another brandon steely like strike out again who knows what this team's going to be like in a couple of years. But that is going to wrap things up for today's show. The good news is tomorrow is Crossover Thursday, one of the best days of the week. Me and Sarah Benninger of Lockdown Broncos are going to get into the biggest matchups and best storylines going into this one. So to make sure you guys don't miss it, go subscribe to the Lockdown Chargers YouTube channel and listen wherever you get your podcasts from. We love the podcast audience, as always. And you can also find the show every day on our social media. You can find us on Twitter at Lockdown Chargers. Locked on LAC is where you can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram at Locked on Chargers and our Locked on Chargers Facebook page. You can also find me on Twitter at Dan Talk Sports 
and David Drogmeyer at DrotalkSD. We might do a Chargers fan mail show on Friday too. Maybe mix things up with the keys for success on that one. But tomorrow is crossover Thursday, so make sure you guys are back here for that. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.